Today we're going to talk about wenting. Amen. <laughs> A wenting we shall go. Amen. A wenting we shall go. <laughs> Praise God. You know, you say these things and you, I always laugh and smile, but I've been wenting for a few weeks here, a few weeks longer than I planned to be. So, uh, but praise the Lord. So hopefully God's helped me to understand some things about that as well. And um, we need to understand these things about divine health and healing because there are different ways that God affects a healing and a cure. He will get healing to you however he can. Let me put it to you that way. He's not standing back waiting for us to get it in gear, but he is helping our faith on a continual basis. Faith is not hard to develop, but you do have to stick with it and you have to stay under God's authority and stay with God's divine plan. Now there are many, many ways... That we saw Jesus heal people, as we're getting ready to do today, you'll see people be healed by the point of contact and the laying on of hands. You'll also see people who will be healed um, as they work with the working, the gift of the working of miracles. There will be people healed who will receive their healing from the uh, articles of clothing that we prayed over. There's, and so you can see that God is not trying to keep it away from us he's trying to get it to us you got me and I think that's the first thing we we need to accept that we are not struggling to get God to do anything for us man it's not a struggle we just need to have instruction we need to have confidence in the word and we have to really stay under God's authority with what we're doing so that we can receive everything that God has for us so in Luke chapter 17 we're going to talk today uh, from this example and probably another one or two Um, in Luke 17 starting in verse um, 11 Um, right prior to this Jesus had been talking to and, and preaching about increasing their faith whenever God begins to speak about increasing their faith one of the signs that follows the word is that your faith would be increased so there should be no no uh, um, uh, doubt here or no reason to wonder why these gentlemen all wanted to be healed right after that teaching and so it says and it came to pass in verse 11 as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee so all you need to, to, to know is that Jesus is coming your way you know whether you sent for him somebody else sent for him or you just happen to get to the meeting you got me you just need to know that he's come your way and when he comes if you are are there in faith you can have whatever it is that you desire from the master I mean there are people that stole a healing from Jesus I like that woman with the issue of blood she crawled down on the ground and reached up and touched him and took a healing from him. But he knew that virtue had gone out of him. You know, everybody, she, it, it was a mystery to everybody except him. So there are all kinds of ways that we can, can receive from the Lord. But we need to know that faith really is the driving force. 
It says, and, and he went through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered into a certain, that's what you where you want to be a certain place. Uh, you see that word certain, that's always a good word to me because we know God's getting ready to do something and do what people ask him to do. Certain things, something that got his attention. Certain things, we're going to talk about more about it now. So that word certain in the Bible always lets me know that God stopped and did something wonderful there because he's singled it out to talk about it. It says, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now you see this phrase used over and over again by people who get miracles. I've used it myself. You know, instead of going to God with all my cool stuff, you know, I'm... Confessing the word, speaking the word. Jesus, please. You got me? I'm sick. Have mercy on me. That's where you get a good start. You know, I mean, you don't have to put up any kind of front with him or try to pretend with him you're somebody you're not or get the words just right or, you know, say it like Brother Hagin said it and all that kind of stuff or look deep or something. You, Jesus, have mercy on me. I'm hurting. I'm sick. I don't feel good. Do something for me. Can anybody figure out what this noise is we keep getting here? Is that me or? Praise the Lord. All right. So he says, <clears throat> And, they, and when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus, answering, said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There were ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith have made you Oh, your faith has made you whole. Now, there are several things we want to talk about here, about the process that, that Jesus put them in here. This is a, a certain way to get people healed. There's certain things that God devises that are tailor-made for individuals to receive healing. Now, when you start out addressing God and talking to him personally, your personal interaction and dialogue with God is very important. Because from that, God begins to tailor make your healing just for you. Now, I'm not saying we don't pray and I'm not saying we don't contact God. But all I'm saying is it's good to come to the altar, say what you need, get that prayer out there between you and God, even if it's another minister there, if it's between you and God, he'll often send you to a minister that's anointed 
to to get people healed. And so there in, in that dialogue between you and God, he will oftentimes set you on a path with your faith where your faith will take you to the manifestation of your miracle. You every step the steps of a good man are what? Well, he's getting ready to order your steps. Once you talk to him about it, he begins to order your steps so that you can get to the place, the manifestation of your healing. He does it through the work of the Holy Spirit. The woman with the issue of blood said she'd been to doctors here, there, and everywhere and, and, and couldn't get anything she needed and, and finally ran out of money. So the doctors didn't want to see her anymore. But then she heard about Jesus. See, sometimes when you've got money and you've got um, hospitalization, well, just look at that. Now, listen, honey, you can't preach over me. I've been preached over by the best of them. Look at her with her foot up there now. Just uh, having a good time on my dime. Huh? Hi, sweetie. He want to preach with Baba a little bit? Yeah. That's sweet. They always do that to me, though. Little, little prophetess. You know, you're prophesying on my dime up in here. Praise the Lord. But that's sweet. But, but um, where was I? We're talking about setting the, the, the conditions and ordering your steps for your healing. And so once you've had that dialogue with God, you need to know that he starts undertaking in in. I would say, I wouldn't even say if you're obedient. I would say you can pretty much guarantee that every step that you make is a step toward your deliverance. It really, really is. Sometimes that the uh, the Holy Spirit will take us in some places we never thought we'd be before. You know, sometimes you you've been told so many times that your denomination is the only one that's right, and then God will have you go to somebody who's non-denominational. Huh? Shows you, you know, that that you you have to really understand that God is undertaking to get you to the place where your faith can be released and or your faith can be developed to the level where when you do release it, it'll get your healing for you. It'll get the total manifestation of what you need from God. And so when, 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 we, when those lepers cried, Master, have mercy on us. From that moment forward, those steps began to be ordered by God to get them to their miracle. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe that once you have prayed. The Bible says pray, believe that you receive when you pray and you'll have it. And God will send you on a journey from that step forward that wherever you need to be, wherever you need to go, huh? you can go wenting and be healed as you went. Amen? Now that term is, is one we kind of use in a funny way, but... It was really coined by a, a woman by the name of Lillian Yeomans. Now she lived around the early 1900s. She was really born shortly after the Civil War, I think. And she went to, she was born in Canada. And she went to a medical school in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And so she came over to the States and started her practice. And halfway through her medical practice, she started having a lot of stress problems and couldn't sleep and started medicating herself with morphine and <clears throat> different sedatives and hypnotics that she can get her hands on. And she was a drug addict down to about 90 pounds. And she began to cry out to God. And he began to speak to her through the word. 
And she finally went into a, a healing meeting. I don't know whose meeting it was. It might have been a Dowie meeting or somebody who had a healing service around the early 1900s. But she went there and she got saved. And after she got saved, she was so taken by the fact that God had healed her, she went into the healing ministry. Never to go back to medicine again. Of course, they had taken her license from her. That's one reason. But she, <laughs> you know, you can't practice without no license. So. You know how God is. When he wants you fixed, he'll fix you, won't he? He'll fix you. I think how many drug addict doctors are running around with their license and getting more credentials. They lift hers, and I think that was a sign God telling her, nope, you're going to work for me for this day forward. Amen. And so she said that she was was working, she was doing healing meetings. This was many years after she had been healed. She was doing her own healing meetings. And she was also working a natural job, you know, for money. She worked in a government agency. And she said she started to develop some really bad eye strain. And she said her first thought was, now check this out, her first thought was this, get me some disability. Huh? Oh, whiplash willy stuff. <laughs> so she said, I really, I realized I could probably get six months off of my job without a problem. She worked, you know, she did administrative work. She knew how to who'd give the papers to and get approval and keep her paycheck coming in. But she said for some reason she went ahead and prayed first earnestly to God to find out how he wanted her to handle it. Can you imagine she's a minister, minister and healing to people on a consistent basis and just all of a sudden thought, well, maybe I'll go to God and ask him if I should fill out some disability papers, you know. And so she said that God brought this scripture to her, this particular one. And she said when she read the part that said healed as they went, she said it kind of stood up to her. And she began to ask God what that meant and what does it mean to be healed as you went. And she was, she's the one who said, I was wenting to get my healing. Amen. Instead of going to get it, she was wenting to get her healing. So that's where that little phrase came from. But as they went, they were healed. Now, what, are, what does that mean really, though, when we talk about to go wenting? So there are some principles of wenting. Some principles of wenting. First principle that you need to understand is that Jesus has a priesthood that is everlasting. So here we see there's a connection here between Jesus and the Levitical priesthood that we're going to see because this is a key essential part of their healing process. He said to them, he says, verse 14, when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And one one, uh, account of this miracle says, go, show yourselves to the priests and offer to them the sacrifice necessary. Anybody, can somebody find that one for me? It's another scripture, but there, that gives you the full picture of what he's telling them. So what he is telling them is that, now, the, the relationship between the priest and the ordinary parishioner or congregation person in Israel was the priest was also their physician. 
in many cases. Did you know that? This isn't new what we do. Praying for the sick in church. It's not new. And so the priest then was able to inspect people to see if they had leprosy. There's a whole column of of, uh, steps that they would take to establish and look and inspect that person's skin to determine if they were leprous or not because they had to keep them separated and isolated from the rest of the general population. A leper, because that disease is highly contagious, was not able to be among people. That's why it says they stood afar off. Many times lepers hid from people when they they just lived in caves and dens and couldn't be around family members because that disease was highly contagious. Leprosy is really traced back to a form of rebellion, a form of sin, rebellious type sin. And you see the outcome of it because the person winds up being rejected and isolated from the rest of society. It's, it's what they bring on themselves. You see that rebellion spirit can reject you. You're rejecting other people and their laws and their ways. So that spirit causes you to be rejected, you see. And so remember Miriam, uh, um, uh, Moses' sister, re- had leprosy because she criticized Moses for marrying the wife that he married, you see, God wanted to use her. He wound up using her mouth to get herself in trouble. And because God wanted to use her words, him use her words for prophetic things, he put that leprosy on her. And they, they had to stay uh, two weeks praying Miriam back into the camp, you see. And so these things are very, very real. When people go so far, they cut God's divine mercy off and step over into the rebellious flow. And so these men had probably lived the type of lifestyle and nobody could tell them anything. They didn't want to obey nobody, didn't want to get along with anybody. And so that's where they wound up on the outside of things. See, be careful about authority and how you feel about it, folks. See, this is why the leper had to stay under the priest's authority. Because they didn't like authority. Rebellious people don't like authority. So God's steps will order you to face the thing that you don't want to go show. Go show myself. To, I've been running from that dude. Huh? To the priest. I don't, go, I don't go to church. We don't do that. Huh? And so the very thing that got you in trouble, if it's reversed, will get you out. Amen? So that's why your steps have to be ordered by God. When you pray that prayer and he begins to lead you to the different places that you need to go or lead you to a meeting that you need or lead you to to, uh, listen to different teachings and tapes and so forth and so on. These your steps are being ordered by God to get you into the right flow of things so that your faith can be developed. If there's stuff in you that needs to be broken off, honey, it'll be killed by the time you get by the time you really get yourself straightened out everything will be (laughs) straight with you you got me and so God does that so that he can help us to understand not only he he could come in with a, a miracle swoop of his hand and heal everybody but he also wants us to be able to live well after we're healed and so when we get our steps ordered by God then he takes care all of that's taken into account
That's why many times you'll be sitting there and, and still got some pain, still got issues. And well, how come I can't get rid of this? And how come I can't get rid of that? It's still here. You got the scripture for me? Oh, the other lepers. Okay, so was it go show? Okay, so Luke 5, what now? You better be right. I'm going to let that little baby preach to you. Praise God. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Yeah, there he goes. So this is an individual leper, and he charged him to tell no man but go show yourself to the priest for the offering and the cleansing. Amen. Now this man Jesus laid hands on. That group he didn't. Uh, So he knows who needs to have the point of contact for release of their faith. And he knows who can go and show. And these men, because they, they stood afar off, if they had approached him or come up to him and Jesus sensed that they would, would respond to the touch the right way, he'd have done the same thing he did with that other guy. But these men, because they stood afar off. See, there's some near people and there's some far off people. Huh? There's some far off people. I got this. I can do this. Remember the centurion? Huh? He said, Jesus said, that, you know, the other one guy's begging Jesus to come to his house. Now, this is the, the preacher, the synagogue dude. He's, um, well, if you come to my daughter's house. Uh, and he's sweating bullets because he know that little girl's sick on her deathbed. Uh, come to my daughter's house. Uh, and uh, shall be healed. So the centurion says, you know what? Don't even come to my house. Huh? It ain't right for nobody to be coming up like you to come up there and there anyway. I respect you. I love you. Just speak the word and my work will get done. Huh? Huh? So you got your close people and then you got your far off people. God knows how to satisfy everybody and get them healed. Amen? And so these guys stood afar off. Huh? One of the few group healings you'll see in the Bible. And the reason, one of the reasons is that they were standing afar off and listening to the increase my faith teaching he just taught. You got me? See, it's good to come on time to healing school. It's good to pay attention the whole time. And it's good to stay in the flow of things till the meeting's over. Because many times people say, well, I got, a, uh, I got somebody uh, uh, coming for me. Well, they can wait. Huh? They wait for you. If you were, if, now, if we were in the mall or we were in a restaurant, you'd sit here and talk until you felt good. Huh? And so there's, we have to understand that there are certain things that God is doing that he can't do like that because we want it done like that. Amen. You have to learn how to stay with God the whole time. Some of these jump up and run people. God takes his time with them. Huh? Because he needs to let them know that everything is not a jump up and run situation. Huh? And some things take time. I know I was when I uh, I had suffered a fall and I had, had a, a condition I was born with my knees wobble a little bit now I, I got God healed me like 20 years ago of one the other one has just been there you know bugs you a little bit but you don't you don't mess with it it don't mess with you and 
Huh? It, it needs to be taken care of, though. You know, and I know that. And and so, but usually, if I have a fall, I twist it, it swells up, or something like that, and I go winting. You know, confess a little word and keep going. Well, I tried my usual this time, and usual wasn't getting it. You got me? Confess a little word and keep going. Confess a little word and keep going. Well, it wasn't, you know, this ain't a confess a little word and keep going issue right now. So that that forced me to go to God. Hmm. What have I been doing before? Huh? My routine. It was working because there's faith there. But sometimes you need to get God off your routine and put him on relationship. Huh? You need to put him on relationship. Because in relationship you can learn some things perhaps that you didn't know before. Huh? Uh, you know when I was, when I, my late husband, many of you know my husband passed away ten years ago. But when he was, when we were married... He would, you know, there were times I wanted to talk to him. I want to talk about what I want to talk about. Uh, Why you like that? Why you don't nicer to me? Why you, they don't want to hear that. So we didn't talk about that much, you know, that kind of stuff. So, you know, you want a relationship, but on your terms. And talk about what I want to talk about. But there were times when I knew I needed to talk to him to straighten things out because they'd be worse for putting them off. And I wouldn't do it. And I'd be walking, and he'd watch me walk from here to there, and you'd feel them eyeballs. And he'd say, hey, you got a minute? And I said, oh, boy, here it is. <sighs> sit down. And, and it's the same conversation that I could have volunteered to have, but now it's got to be a struggle and a tough thing and all that. Same thing with God. You know, I could have gone to him initially and said, you know, Father, this one looks pretty bad this time. What do I do? How do I, you know, what, huh? Hmm. And pretty much it's going to be the same things that we always do to get healed. Do our wenting thing. But he would have told me, you know what, you're going to have to stay with this in a more intense fashion this time. Because I've got to do some more stuff here to get you healed. And so I would get better and get worse and get better and get worse and get better and get worse. And then all of a sudden on Sunday I fell at the church. Everybody was like, ah! <laughs> what are we going to do with this person here? Should we touch her? Should we drag her out? Should we roll her up in a rug and put her in the back of the, you know? <laughs> and so I thought to myself, I said, well, Lord, I got to do something because this is upsetting. You know, this is not good. And so I went back and spoke to God about it. And the only thing that was different was it's going to take more time. It's going to take more intense in the word. It's going to take you just sitting there and paying attention and letting me develop some more things in you so that you can went. Do your winting. So all I'm saying is winting is not on your terms. You got me? You don't get a went uh, a prescription or a hall pass to go went and just do what you want to do in your went. You have to do it under instruction, under authority, and you have to obey the authority of God. The instruction has to be followed out immediately. This is, I can't stress this enough. It's immediate. So he told the lepers, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. In other words, go and face that person you didn't want to face all this time. 
Go and face that person that gave you the bad news the last time you were there. Amen. So that's all these dudes can think. Man, when I went to the priest the first time, he was when he told me them white spots. I thought it might have been leprosy because I knew I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. And then when he told me that was the biggest shock I ever had in my life. People who have cancer, be told they have cancer like that. They thought it was just a minor thing, but somewhere in them they were a little fearful of it. But then when they say those words, that pronounces a death sentence to you. And so these men were thinking all these years that when am I ever going to, well, I'm just doomed to live like this. I might as well make up my mind that I'm going to live like this until I die, until they heard about Jesus, until he increased their faith when he talked to them about how to increase your faith. They began to listen. They began to be attentive. They began to understand what was being said. And it caused them to respond by asking for him to have mercy on them. And that's what they got mercy. Whenever God speaks to you, it's a move of mercy, folks. Whatever he tells you to do. Amen. And we need to thank God for the instruction of God. Because that's the mercy of God coming toward us. It's not, it's not a hard thing. Excuse me. To, to respond to God. Whatever he tells you to do, you're able to do it. You may not want to do it. And you may not agree with that it needs to be done. But you're able to do it. Amen? Sometimes he'll tell us to go to a certain person's meeting for a season. And we, well, I like my church. We know you do. We all like our churches. But you've got to obey God. He's the only one who knows what it is. I can remember I was uh, attending a church in Detroit. And, you know, it was a fairly large church. And um, every time Benny Hinn would come to town, the pastor would get up and give an anti-Benny Hinn speech. Or you would hear people give these little comments about, well, I, I don't have to go to Benny Hinn. I could get what I need right here. You better be sure of that. You better be sure of that. Because you're not God. And you don't call the shots. Amen. And you don't know where God wants to meet you or what he wants to do for you. You see, sometimes you need to give him Benny's offering. I know people go to those meetings and they, they don't get healed. They might get a little bit, but they wind up giving. The whole life turns around because they're giving into a higher level of anointing. Amen. Than what they're used to. So come on, folks. Let's not play games here. We're not in religion. We're in relationship. Amen. And there are people, ministers have different levels of relationship with God. There are different ministers who have, have been touched differently on the inside by God. And they're able to have compassion in certain areas. So you never know the inner workings in God's kingdom. So the best thing to do is do what you're told to do. And in this instance, Jesus told them, go show yourselves to the priest. Now you would have to know that you're healed in order to do that. And I think in some ways, corporate anointing helps people not to quit before they're finished. Not to quit before you're finished. For instance, if, if, uh, if, say for instance, we have a crew that comes in and sets up the meeting before it's, you know, before you all get here. And if, say for instance, there's five of them, 
and they all work together, well, they could get it done faster, more efficiently, probably have a good time, whereas one person might struggle. One person might start one. Oh, well, where is everybody? I guess I'll quit, and I don't know what to do. You got me? So there is an agreement in numbers. There's a corporate flow and a corporate strength that is hard for the enemy to overcome. It's like a package deal. You know, you're all kind of packaged in together. And that spirit will grab and lift everybody up the same way. Same thing you do in worship. You know, you might come in not feeling good and, and just, you know, I'm not going to raise my hand. I'm not, I triple double dog dare you not to when the anointing. Because, you know, there's enough power of God here to break down any resistance that you might have to that. So the other thing about this, too, is the corporate flow of the ten lepers that went and it carried all of them there as a bunch to show the priest. So in other words, they're probably walking along together and looking at each other and say, well, you going? Well, yeah, he said go. Let's go. Come on, man. I'm going. Well, okay, I'm going too. And, you know, we don't know what we're going to get when we get there, but we all are going. And as they went... They were healed. Just being obedient to stop doing what you do all the time and do what God tells you to do will heal you. Amen. Obedience heals everything every single time. Sometimes we need to break habits of of doing things. You know, people could count on us to be here and be there and be there. You need to break that up sometimes. Go winting. Go went someplace else and do something a little bit different so the devil doesn't get you caught up in that routine all the time. You got me? And so when they went, they went corporately, I believe there was an anointing that surrounded all of them to keep them in faith. Huh? They might have been leper buddies. You know, you know, the little leper. They all hung out together on a regular basis. We hung out together. We got sick together. We got healed together. You know, that would be their testimony. And so as they went, they were healed. In other words, they hadn't gotten to the priest yet. It wasn't like Jesus was here and the priest was over there. The priest was at the temple and they weren't really in Jerusalem as yet. So they may have had a ways to go to get there. Or there might have been that there was a priest at his meeting. We don't know. But it says as they went they were healed. Not when they got to the priest. But as they went. So along the way there's some of them, you know, with leprosy, your people often had nubs for fingers. Because your tissue would just dissolve. It would fall off. It would just wither off and die. There was great deformity with leprosy. So much so that when people got in advanced stages, they just hid from everybody. They didn't want to be seen. And so many times, and lepers looked different because they often lived in caves. Their their skin wasn't tanned like everybody else's skin was. You could tell them a long way off. And so as they went, the Bible says they were healed of that leprosy. Now, what was, or they were cleansed. In other words, they didn't have the, 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 um, it would be white patches on the skin. 
Sometimes they were they would be infected patches. So we know they at least were cleansed of it because they were cured enough for the priest to be able to look at them and say, that leprosy is not contagious anymore. You can go back and be with your family. But maybe some of them had a nose that was missing that was common or an ear had fallen off or a nub of a hand or a stump of a foot. When you're cleansed, it stops advancing. Amen. It stops advancing, but it does not grow a limb back. You got me? It doesn't grow a limb back. So when you're cleansed, that means that you're good enough to go back home to your family. You're good enough to go back and live with society. You're good enough to... You know, to get back in the mix with people because you quit your rebellion, you quit your stupidity, you quit running from God, you've worshipped God, you stayed there and found out what to do to get yourself acceptable to be accepted in a congregation of people. You're not an outlaw anymore. Amen. Sometimes lepers were, they were comfortable just living robbing people and being outlaws because it was in their nature to live that way. You got me? And so when, when they were cleansed, that was a whole different status for them. I really did miss my family. Huh? When you think about a leper, think about a person that's maybe in prison because of bad behavior. Nobody could ever tell them what to do. You know, didn't listen to mom, didn't listen to dad. Now they got a, you know, orange jumpsuit on there with the, you know, seven numbers or whatever they have on there. And so now that they've been apart for a while, God's mercy now can rescue them and bring them back into society. And now they realize, you know what, I had a good family and I didn't appreciate it. I had a good life and I didn't appreciate it. I could have gone to church and made something of myself and I didn't appreciate it. So now the mercy of God can put me back into society. Amen. So they were cleansed, but maybe with deformities. Huh? Your your priors, your your rap sheet, your uh, your record hasn't been expunged. Still got that record. They know where you are. Where you been for ten years? Oh, I see. Ooh, ouch! No openings. In fact, we shutting down right now, <laughs> huh? You know what I'm saying? And so when you're cleansed, you've obeyed God enough. To get yourself out of jail and get yourself back into general society. Mm-hmm. Then there is another guy. Let me show you him. He says, it came to pass that as they went they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed. Now what did the rest of them see? They saw they were healed. Huh? But they had something else on their mind. Huh? Mm. I've been wanting to get back home. I heard my old lady got somebody else to moved up in my crib. Huh? I mean the group the group spirit can catch take you one way and just as quick fall off of you and huh? These my boys. I've been kicking it with them. Well, I mean, you know, he came in like five years ago. He was my first buddy. He was in eight years just like me. And Pops over there, he'd been a leper for ten years. We ought to go kicking it somewhere tonight. 
Go get us some drinks and let everybody know we clean, we back. Hey, the boys is back, huh? <laughs> now tell you, don't don't look, don't get holy on me all of a sudden, y'all, and go like that. You know, there's people get get the financial breakthrough, and I'm not just talking about healing, healing. I'm talking about any kind of get from God, get our goodies from God. We walk long enough to. Huh? And we don't know if the priest ever seen nobody for real. You know, it says as they went, they were healed. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like my my late husband showed me what that last fifty dollars was. He wouldn't do that for nothing. <laughs> as he went, as he went, he showed me where. The, are you kidding me? <laughs> the one that's usually in the sock, in the drawer up in the, way back up in there under the gun case and all that kind of, he knew I didn't like touching that gun. Yeah, yeah, right. That's where he put all his good stuff at, huh? That's like showing the girl where the last fit is. Huh? Yeah, I'm going to pay attention to that. As they went, they were healed. Huh? See, the first instruction that you obey after God gives it to you, we'll do it. Be quick to obey God when he tells you to do it. Because the first instruction you obey will do it. It'll do it. Amen. Amen. See, you, you, you're healed. Most of you are healed now. Because you got to the meeting. Huh? See, that first instruction that you obeyed really did it. What you, what you will have done is have the anointing imparted to get the visible. So you don't have to look at it and worry no more. Jesus even want to take your worries away. Huh? And so he says that this, this guy, this one guy, when he saw that he was healed, he took it a different way. He fell down at his face, at his feet. He with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Now this man went a step beyond. Instead of just taking the healing and run, we don't know where the mother brothers went. Huh? Probably still messing with the priest, you know, arguing with him. Or I told you I was going to get healed. You said, you, said, you told me I wasn't going to never get nothing from God. I told you. Huh? I mean, you can mess around with the priest for too long sometimes. Huh? But the priest that was, was the ones that, the, that pronounced you as a leper were also able to remove that stigma. But Jesus works from a higher priesthood than the, the priest that, that would show, would, would declare you to be cleansed. And this is important. Jesus' priesthood works totally by faith. The Levites worked under the law. Faith is always higher than the law. Faith came before the law. Faith always gives you greater, takes greater precedence, everything is over. So this man who was cleansed came came back must have recognized the higher priesthood. See, if you stay with the guy that, like the warden, huh? He signed the papers to put you in jail. 
You go back to him, he signs the papers to get you out of jail. But your record's not cleaned. Huh? Now you're cleaned of what you paid your penalty to society. Now you can get out and get back in society. But you're still carrying around that stigma that you were in jail and you know you got to tell everybody now. You got to see if they hire ex cons. You got all that stuff you got to do. Because you're still living in the land of man's control over your life. That's what makes people rebellious anyway. They resent man's control. Never could get over it. They don't like humbling themselves to people. They don't like uh, obeying people. They don't like that, that aspect of it. Well, that's got to be done if you're going to get anywhere in life. You know, we all know that. And so when, when he runs into Jesus, he recognizes this man's got the power to tell that man to let me off the hook. I think I'll go back over here and talk to him some more. Yes. I'll give my worship and devotion to him. Whereas the other, the other nine went over there. We're talking to the natural priest. He can only take you so far. But if this man did something that made him respect him, he must be higher than him over here. So I think I'll stick with him. And so Jesus says, weren't there... Ten of them, where's the rest of the nine? Huh? The rest of the nine. They're in the wrong place at the right time. They got obedient to a certain level. Sometimes God will tell you, you go over here and get healed and stay. Now don't everybody get nervous. I know y'all don't want to come to my meetings on a regular basis, so don't even go there, all right? (laughs) I'm going to lose my seat on the second row. Okay, we'll put you... On the corner somewhere. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to get here. Everybody gets nervous. Huh? But that's what this amounts to. Yeah. You go there and you stay. Yeah. If the place was anointed enough to heal you, maybe it'll keep you healed. Maybe you can be the next Benny Hand if you stay Amen. where you're supposed to be. Amen. And so this man begins to worship him and give him thanks. And so Jesus has to respond to this second request. Which is not a request. I would guess you can call a second interaction. The first interaction was Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. He responds, go show. Everybody else goes and shows. Then this one guy looks at himself and says, I'm clean already. Praise God. Instead of going and putting yourself under the priest... You can put yourself under a higher authority. See, God says if your ways please him, he'll cause your enemies to be at peace with you. People don't understand, though, that the way to God often is through how you treat people. You got me? You've got to submit to the right authority. You've got to humble yourself to the right people. You've got to learn how to love people, deal with them in love, bless them, etc., etc. This guy catches on. He says, you know what? This guy is operating in a higher realm over here. I'm going to go and worship him. See, this, this little Samaritan leper, there's something different about this guy. He doesn't mind humbling himself. He doesn't mind doing what he needs to do. He doesn't mind worshiping God. In fact, he's probably looking for the one true and living God so that he could worship him. So when this man decides, when God touches his heart in such a real way, and he decides, he said, wow. I found somebody who can tell 
earthly man what to do. Isn't that what we all want? We want somebody. We want to go to the source of things. Well, for all the rebellious people out there, if you will worship God, he can cause everybody to fall in line with the desires of your heart so that you don't feel like the person that's, I always got to ask somebody. How come I always get, will you do it until you find the one true and living God? And then he can open doors for you, no man. I mean, if you resent authority, God's the best one to worship. Because if you work with him, he will take care of that in you. So that you don't feel like you're a man pleaser. Or you don't feel like somebody who never gets a fair shake in life because people don't like him. People don't treat you right. He's the one to go to. So he cures the problem, that the, 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 the real heart problem that the leper has. He takes care of that too. When you bow down and worship him as king of kings and lord of lords, that takes care of that. I resent people. I don't want to worship. I don't want to humble myself to anybody. It takes care of all of that. So when Jesus looks at him and sees him worshiping, that puts another request on the altar. Hmm? We got one. He answered it. Now this guy's come back to the altar. What's he want now? And Jesus is able to read his heart even through the worship. He sees a picture of this man envisioning himself the way he used to be and wanting to be that person again. Before I lost my fingertips, before I lost half of my ear, before I lost the tip of my nose, before my foot began to be a stump. That's what I always wanted to be on the inside of me. And Jesus is able to see that and you know how I know? Because that's what he gave him. His next comment to him, you worship God, you don't leave there without presence. Remember that? The bling that he brings. So he can ready to bling this guy. Huh? And he says, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you... Before he was... Cleansed. Now he's made whole. You know what the difference is? Cleansed is what happens when you're born again. Remember that? Looked at my hands, my hands were new. Look at my feet. They were too. Chain the chain them. Yeah. Well, that's what happened to them. Their sin was removed enough for them to get back into the flow of society. But once you're born again, don't you want more? Once you're born again, doesn't God want more for you? That's just the entry level. That's just the first door you go into to start to live the blessed life. After that, you've got to learn how to live the blessed life and go ahead and live for God to get the more. And that's what this guy got. That's what we got. Don't you, when you get saved? You continue to go to church, and what do you do in church? You stick them little paws out there as best you know how, and you start to worship God. Then after a few tries, you start to feel something. You kind of get in the flow of it. And then after a while, you, you like it so much, when you get home, you feel like a fish out of water. Remember the old days you go to church and, you know, you couldn't wait to get out of there so you could talk about everybody. Now you get out of church, you wish you could take that feeling with you because that feels more like home than what you go into when you get out of there. And so that's what wholeness really means. You start to be whole in the worship relationship with God. 
And so he says, your faith has made this wholeness for you. So what does wholeness mean for a leper? That means that the fingers grow back out. That means the earlobe comes back. Tip of the nose grows out. He gets a total makeover just by adding one thing, and that's worship to him the right way. He found the one true and living God. Now, this wasn't easy to do because Jesus was a preacher and a man just like the rest of those men. But this leper respond to something on the inside of him that got triggered when he saw the work that God had done. He saw God really answer that prayer and he made up his mind he was going to go for more. And this is the more. When you continue to worship God after he's healed you, you go for the more. He gives you more. He begins to give you to understand, I want to make you whole. To be made whole really means to be intact in your spirit, your mind, your body, and in your estate, your material things. The be be made whole doctrine, that's a legal term. Lawyers use it in in most courts of law. It's, It's not really... It's not really what you would call a law. It's more of rules and regulations to guide them in their decision making. So say, for instance, if if Avis runs into my car with her car. (laughs) And she damages my car. Well, it's dented, and I go get an estimate, and and they tell me what it's going to cost to get it fixed and all that kind of stuff. And so if she, and I'll take it, and she has no insurance, I might have to go to court and sue her. And so, (laughs) even though she's a sister in the Lord, (laughs) I shouldn't do it. but, But what guides them in the decision that they make is my injury, and they want to make me whole again. See, you started out. A whole person. I had a car with no dents until she ran into it. And so now I'm injured or I've suffered loss. And so the rules that the judge uses, their, their, their conscience and their laws, guides them to make me whole. See? And so, and if, say for instance, I've been inconvenienced or something. I had to rent a car. That's a normal inconvenience. I need to be made whole. But if I tell them I'm mentally upset because I never thought she would do that to me and I'm her pastor, the jury might still be out on that one. You understand what I'm saying? I think that it's hard for us to figure out if you really got hurt by that or not. And so they can't go beyond or beneath wholeness. That's what they want. They want everything to be intact, nothing missing, nothing broken, whole in spirit, soul, mind, body, and estate. It's hard for them to figure out how to do that for you. Because you'll see them give people some multi-million dollar settlements almost on nothing. And then you'll see some people who struggle for years trying to get some disability benefits from a job they got legitimately hurt at. And so this wholeness doctrine sometimes is carried out properly and sometimes it's not. But guess who knows how to carry it out 100% without fail? See, when man tries to make you whole, it's always going to be the lawyer's got to get 30 or 40 percent. I don't care what what you do. So you're going to suffer loss just because you had to go through him. You got me? But when God does it, 
He makes you intact, spirit, soul, body, and estate all the way down the line. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Totally, totally well and totally whole. And so that's what he did for this man. Worship got him all his limbs back just like they used to be before he ever had leprosy. That's what God has in store. That's what he has in mind for all of us. To get us to what he created us to be before this thing in the in the garden happened before we got born and got born into sin and shake before all of that what did he have in mind for us well jesus comes to supply that back to us to make us whole in every possible way okay praise god all right so let me give you one more okay what kind of time do we have back there oh don't tell me i got 20 Put your seatbelts on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I want to give you another principle. These I call them winting principles. Okay, These are principles that God uses when he instructs people to go and be healed. You got me? When you, where you're winting. Now the other one is in 2 Kings chapter 5. And we've all read this story before. It's about Naaman the leper. And this one is the dip seven times principle. So one winting principle is go and show. Amen. Go show and be healed. Or be healed as you went. And the other one is Kings 5. Dip seven times. Dip seven times or go wash. Verse 5 verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria. This is a big military guy. Was a great man with his master and honorable. Because by him the Lord had given, given deliverance to Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. In other words he wasn't scared of anything and anybody. But he was a leper. He was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid and she waited on Naaman's wife. Now, anybody ever had a job they hated and thought you were a slave to it? And uh, Just be careful, okay, because you might be there because God wants you there. Huh? There are many Naamans out here, folks. you got to see yourself as more than somebody who's there for a paycheck. You got me? You are not, you're not a, uh, uh, an employee. You're an ambassador. Huh? When you go in, you set up your little embassy right there where you work every day. But you're not an employee. You're an ambassador. You got me? And so that's what she was. Because she functioned that way. An ambassador speaks on behalf of the, the ruler of the homeland. And that's what she does. She speaks on behalf of the things of God all the time. She don't care if she's been held captive. She's there, you know, against her will. She's still an ambassador. And so she said to her mistress, Would God my Lord were the prophet that is with the prophet that is in Samaria. In other words, wow, I really, really wish... That he could be where the prophet is in Samaria. For he would recover him of his leprosy. Now this is a pretty bold statement for this girl to make. Based on, you know, whatever. Her knowledge of who the prophet is. Or she's seen. Or maybe she's speaking by faith. 
Maybe she knows that the prophet in Samaria is a man of God. And whatever need anybody has, he's able to take care of it. You got me? So you don't have to know if, if he's prayed for the sick before or whatever. If God tells you to speak to somebody about something, you speak to them about it. You got me? And so she said, and one went in and told his Lord. So, you know, news like that travels fast. Servants always gossip. Let's tell something good for a change. Instead of saying, ooh, you see what Naaman's wife was wearing? But she just don't wear nothing but jewelry. She got a different ring on the night. Well, let's talk about something good for a change. Amen. And he said, went in and told his Lord, thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go to and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. So these kings use their authority and their muscle to work in their realm. But how many of you know God works through his servants, the prophets, and he works through his anointing? And so he says, and he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, took a lot of money, changes of clothing. Because this is what he knows. This is how he knows to do business. He's thinking if he's going to see the king and the king's going to help him out, that he's got to bring some presents for the king. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, Now when this letter has come to you, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may recover him of his leprosy. So kings don't know anything about God's kingdom. Yeah. People who were military people like Naaman, he didn't know anything about God's kingdom. All he heard was somebody in Israel is is powerful enough to get him healed so he assumes I'll go to the highest place I can go to and that's to the king huh? so just let me say this the way that we always think things are supposed to go because of maybe who we are and where we think we are in life and what we think we're called to do God's going to do it totally different especially if you got a problem with status and you got a problem with all that kind of stuff. You know, he'll just bring it down real normal for you. I've had this happen. You know, ministers who backslide or lose their ministry would not have come to preach for us in a zillion years when they were way up there. You got me? We were just, didn't exist as far as they were concerned. But then when they fall and God says, this is where you start, then you see them. You got me? See, I've been in ministry long enough to see this stuff just come totally full circle. And my, my word to you is to let God be God. Don't, don't be one of these people who's aware of somebody's status or how many mega church and I'll go there and I don't want to go to a place that's small or a place that's just starting or a place, you know, that kind of stuff. You better go where God leads you to go because God may have a blessing and a miracle for you somewhere and your mind can't conceive of where it is. And so you see the problem right here with Naaman's problem is clearly outlined in this first three first three uh, verses four verses he's a status guy he's gotten to the point now where people have to accept him even though he's a leper because of his status so his status is everything to him I'm going to go to to the king he's my boss he's the only person I let talk to me about anything is a king 
So I go right to the king for what I need. And he needs me because I'm the one that's fighting everybody and keeping him alive. So he better put me in touch with another king so I can go higher up the chain and get what I want. I don't go but so low to get what I want. And so it says it came to pass when the king of Israel read the letter that he freaked out. He said, what? Heal what? I don't know how to heal nobody. What's he coming here to me for? I know it is a plot to get me in trouble. Y'all better not let the, you see that man come up here. Don't tell him I'm here. Y'all tell him I'm reclining, arresting or something. Tell him I'm reading a book. But don't let that man come in here because I don't have nothing for him. So the king almost loses. His king of Israel almost loses his mind. He's going to go on a fast now. He's really seeking God. He said, what? Am I God? That I can kill and make alive? He said, this man has sent me to recover this man as leprosy? He says, wherefore, consider I pray you and see how he seeks a quarrel against me. He's trying to get me in trouble, testing me. And when he see I can't heal nobody, he gonna, then he's going to be mad at me and just start a fight. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel rent his clothes, he stood and shook his head. He said, now what is he all worked up about? And he said, send a note to me, to the king. He says, why are you all upset? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. He'll know who can take care of what. He'll know something about us. He'll, don't you understand many times God is trying to get people to know more about him? Yes. Not just give them what they need, not just heal them. You can get healed, but you can be totally ignorant of the things of God. And have to start off all over again. So he says this guy needs to know something about how we roll up in Israel. huh? So Naaman came with his horses and his chariot. And stood at the door of the house of Elisha. All these big tall horses. And he got all this gold and silver piled up there. And he's looking all prominent and mighty. And Elisha sent a messenger. Oh man, please. Don't send the. The second banana. Huh? Where's the top banana? Huh? Kenneth Hagin's uh, Jr. said that that was his, his, his uh, cross to bear all his life. Is that people would come to their ministry to get prayer and he would be there to pray for them. Oh no, I want the top man to pray for me. And he said, well, the same God works through the top man is, is through me. You know, he tried to help people as much as they could. But people are, are ignorant, carnal. They just got their mind fixed on one thing or another. Sometimes God will work a miracle. You know, the top man will be struggling. And then, you know, number two is just whipping them out there, dropping crutches, getting them out of wheelchairs. God will fix you. Thinking you know how to run his business. Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall come clean again. But Naaman was angry. Problem. Hmm? Go to God and get angry that quick. I've seen people. Go in if the service was too long. They're mad. Stomp out. And went away and say, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord. No, that's religion, Naaman. Okay. 
we don't do religion here. We do God here. Amen. See, people always having it put his hand over his chest and strike it three times. And no, we ain't going there. Now I don't know where you've been and what you've seen, but that ain't how it works up in here. We obey God in here, Naaman. He said, go get in that nasty water and dip seven times, and I mean go dip. He says, are not abandoned far, far rivers? Oh, they better rivers. I got water outside my house that's cleaner than this up in here. Isn't that better for me to go dipping in? Huh? See, carnal people are always looking at their comfort zone. Where, how, how is it going to happen that's going to make me comfortable? Huh? If I go over to the watchman, I might have to fall down on the floor. I hear they make you fall over there. Huh? Well, I, I know that, you know, we anoint with oil over here too. Yeah, you greasy and sick, that's why you over here now. So we're going to get you healed this time. Anoint with oil. So he says these rivers are much better over here. I want to get my healing over here. In the dead place where I keep getting sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. Now, if God were going to heal you in the dead place, as long as you've been going, you'd be healed already. Well, some people are happy to hear it. Y'all need to rejoice because you're in the right place. So he turned and went away in a rage. Some people get mad at you. Tell them to come. Dip seven times. Now to me, the seven was his number. That's God's perfect number. That, that number is significant as far as teaching Bible is concerned. That's God's perfect number. But for you, it might be 21. Huh? For you, it, seven just means until the work is done. He didn't say go dip once, go wash in your where you like to be and then come back and dip again Hmm? see I like my service because we do this there and that there and that there some will come over here every now and then and get healed dip once over here and go dip in my clean water over on that spot and just do it like I don't want to do it well he said dip seven times he means stay there in that nasty water Obeying this little prophet's servant. See, God will get all the stuff out of you that's keeping you from being right on the inside. See, this religious attitude that we have that we can tell by looking at people, if they got it or not. Or if God's with them or not. Or if they're doing the right thing with their ministry or not. Or if they're this or that or not. Or, you know, somebody give you a list of check off lists and you check people off according. Well, they ain't right because they don't check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but God sent you here. Naaman, you're going to dip seven times or you're going to dip once and go away. Just so you can have things your way. Huh? Need to give him a happy meal and go make his little butt sit down somewhere. Huh? Even McDonald's don't let you have it your way. Huh? And what do people know about getting healed anyway? If you knew so much, you could have your own meeting. You got me? 
mean, when you think about it, it's nothing but stupid religion that keeps people bound and keeps them sick, keeps them from getting well. And then when they when they leave their church and then come back, pastor hadn't noticed you in 10 years, and all of a sudden you've been to Benny Hinn and come back. Well, where have you been? We missed you. You don't even know me. What's my name? Right. right. You need to ask them that sometime. Who am I? Right. Huh? But the devil knows you was over there. Huh? Wow. Oh, crazy religious devils. They love to keep people bound. They like to keep you sick. They like to keep you paying for a healing if they can. People want you to give a certain amount in offering, and then they pray for you if you're sick. That's nonsense. You don't see Jesus ever lifting an offering nowhere. In fact, he didn't take no offerings. And just to prove to people he didn't need the money, he let the thief hold the beat of treasure. If you let Judas write out checks for your ministry, you must be trusting God. Goodness. I mean, seriously. If he's in it for the money, he sure could have gone a better way than that. I mean, come on, Lord. Now, well, let's just let Peter's a businessman. Why can't we let him? Nah, we let Judas. That thief? Yes. He turned and went away in a rage. Then his servants. Thank God for servants. Thank God for humble people. You know, this is this is interesting, the way the servants initiated this thing. The servants keep it going. Thank God for humble people. Thank God for servants. His servants came near. They, they must care about these people. And spoke to them and said, My father, if the prophet had bid you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? How much rather than what he said to you, go wash and be clean? He said, doesn't that make sense to you as something simple that you can do? In other words, these things that God conditions to dip seven times, 15, 20, 10, forever, what do you care? It's a simple instruction that anybody could do. Go dip seven times and you'll come out clean. And he says, don't you think you can do that? Is Is it too easy for you? What's the problem with it? See, with some people in religion, they don't like to be told to do anything. Religion is for the rebellious and the hard-hearted. Because they're hearing from God all the time. He told them to go this, do this this day, do that that day, this over here, that here. They're not under anybody's authority. That's why they don't ever get anywhere. Always running around trying to get a little snatch here, a little snatch there, trying to survive. While the people who have a relationship with God are the ones who are in charge of things. They're the ones who can command certain things to happen. Religions, they're always disgruntled. They don't let me do this over here. They don't let me do that. Well, what's God telling you to do? What's God telling you to do? And so we got to shake this religion off, folks. Naaman had to dip, and I believe that's what he was dipping off. Dipping off religion, washing off rebellion, 
Wash it off. I'm the one. I'm the big man around here. Everybody look up to me. Do what I say do. He was finally having to humble himself to God and look at the result. The Bible says that he went down and dipped himself seven times and he did what the man of God told him to do. Had to get angry and upset and stupid and the servants come and beg him to be obedient. You know, that's like, you know, you you get get out of the pocket with somebody and your little kid is standing by. Right. Mama can you know, I'm upset. You didn't shouldn't talk like huh? Your kids are straighten you out real quick sometimes. They can talk to preach, preach you into another good mind. You got me? And so we have to understand this, that God will touch us and he'll get anybody who can get a message through to us. That's how much he loved Naaman and wanted him well. He used anybody he could to get a message through to him so that he could get him healed and get him well. I'm telling you, God has ways, folks. Ways that don't entail a laying on of hands necessarily. I'm not against it at all. You know better than that. If you can get rid of what you got here today, please, by all means, do. But there are times that that if you don't get it all today, you can say, God, I'm going to dip seven times. I'm going to be healed as I go. I'm going to come back and sit under this anointing. Listen, I'm not promoting myself. Never have, never did. You got me? I don't need to do that. I don't pass out business cards. I don't get on Facebook and try to drag people and get a following and all that. I put announcements on there. And I'll rebuke the saints when they're on there talking stupid. I befriend everybody. I say, yeah, let me talk to this one too because I catch you doing something that don't make sense. I'm going to tell you, get off of there with that nonsense. Lift up Jesus. Amen. But, but I don't need to promote myself just to, to make myself feel important or feel good. I was so important the day Jesus found me, I couldn't top that in a bazillion years. But I'm telling you for you. Don't get yourself caught up in this religious nonsense of go here a little bit, get a corner of revelation, and then run around thinking you got the whole thing. Don't settle for part of a healing or a feel good in the meeting, and then when you get home, you can't you can't hold on to it or something like that. You come back. You allow God to complete the job that He started because this running around nonsense is that's not the bride, huh? That's not the ones that Jesus died. For. That's some religious imitation of of just religion. Because the bride knows who she belongs to. You got me? She obeys her beloved, the one who bought and paid for her and will come and return for her and takes care of her and gives her the best this world and heaven have to offer. That's who we are. That's who God's people are. When we know how to obey the master in all things. So it's no big deal. If God tells you you're going to be healed as you went, you do what Wenting tells you to do. If it's go show, sometimes you need to go back to them stupid doctors and show them you heal. Amen. Take that little test. You don't have to be afraid of it. If you took it once and it gave you bad news, 
Let God tell you when to take it again so you can get good news. You got me? And allow yourself to confront these things. Huh? Submit yourself to authority. If God tells you to go show yourself at the altar so that you can get prayed for, don't say, well, I can get it back here in my seat. Don't be stupid. You, you got me? God will tell you what to do to get your healing and be led by God so that you can cut this religion off that's killing us. Amen? And allow God to come in and move. Why don't we start some music back there? We'll pray for people. Pastor Shirley and I are going to pray for you now. Because God wants us all well. There's no exceptions to this wellness rule. Wants all, everybody well. He died for the sins of the world. Son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, Jesus. Yes, blessings come with the reward of worship. And heal us, Lord. All I want is you.